0: With those prayers and that intention, we're going to turn our attention to studying Torah today. (sighs) So let's say a blessing. Blessed are you source of life, our God. Your presence fills the universe. Make us holy with the commandment to engage in words of Torah. Whoops, this Torah portion. Let me put this over here. It's called Vayakhel, which means, and Moses assembled. He assembles all the people of Israel. And my my um, thoughts are actually going in a lot of directions today. So we'll see where they land with your input and kind attention. And remember your input is always welcome. What happens in this portion is that the work of building the Mishkan gets underway. Bitsalel the head craft person, his assistant Aholeyav, and every every man and woman who are chokhmat lev, who are wise of heart is the beautiful phrase in the uh, portion, Um, meaning that they have the ability to craft. That's what wise of heart means now here. And it actually interestingly comes from the Hebrew Lachshov, which means in modern Hebrew, to think, also means in biblical Hebrew, to fashion. So a machshava, which in modern Hebrew is only a thought. A machshava is a thought. Lachshov is to think, it says. And so in, in the context of this Torah portion, it means to imagine, visualize what you're going to create, and then create it. Uh, so the, when it says, Chacham lev, they are wise of heart, it's, it's this ability to think thoughts, but more than think thoughts, to conceive, visualize, and manifest, which we're going to discuss is the quality that we, I think most of all, the Torah means when they say we are made in the divine image the divine, the creator who somehow conceived the idea of the universe, then visualized it, saw a blueprint of it in the one's mind and then manifested it in this astonishing creation. And we have that capacity as well. And the reason I'm talking about Chacham, about in, um, wise of heart and uh, this being in God's image is because, as many of you will remember, the chief craftsman's name is Betzalel. Betzalel means B'tzel El in the image of God. Okay, in, in long form, that's Betzalel. Elohim in the image of God, self, El. So the chief craftsman, the head of this whole operation is an archetypal human, right? The, the, the idealized human as we were created to be who has this capacity because of the divine nature that's been implanted into us to conceptualize new worlds, make a plan for them, a blueprint, and then manifest them in the world, in, in something new in the world. Beautiful, isn't it? So that's Betzala. The other key phrase, Chacham lev, as uh, Ellen put, we were put into the chat. It also says "nediv lev," which means "willing of heart." A nadav is a volunteer. So, you know, in order to do this holy creation work, it has to be with a completely willing, generous heart and the wisdom of being able to fashion. And the other word that gets used is nasa, uplifted hearts. So this act of creation, which is associated with the heart. And again, in biblical Hebrew, the heart is associated as the seat of consciousness. What we think of as here, the Torah says it's here, but the heart is also the seat of love. So if you don't think the seat of consciousness is also the seat of love, don't talk Hebrew. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, and my 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 point is that this seat of awareness that makes us somehow in the image of the divine, in order to do this work, this activity that we were created to do. Um, um, we have to have a heart that is wise, that is re- generous and not attached to what you're doing, but giving it away, and is uplifted, not crunched or crushed. Right. So we can pause there for a moment and wish us all that awareness. And of course, any of us who've been in the zone, not we don't have to be an artist or a craft person, just in that zone, we know that we then are actually, uh, we become channels as I spoke about last time and are then simply the greatest beneficiaries of all for getting to be these channels of creativity. There's nothing, there's no greater experience than to be flowing with this uplifted, generous energy. Nothing better. Did you want to say, were you raising your hand, Leia? Unmute yourself, please.
1: I am unmuted.
0: Well, talk.
1: I want to say, yeah, but.
0: Finish your sentence.
1: God sees and sees and sees the results and sees the results. And I'm wondering what results he's seeing or God is seeing. I'm wondering where we have to go, how far we have to go. We can't go to another flood, another Tower of Babel, another um, yeah, Lot's wife thing. Right. Um, How far do we have to go to get on the upside of things?
0: Mm -hmm. Got it. And just as the Torah says, I'll say we may be failing, Leah. We may be failing at fulfilling our divine potential. And Judaism is, and the Torah is an ongoing record of our failures. And yet, an ongoing reminder of what we might be capable of. I can't reassure you. Uh, Ellen Weaver, please.
2: And yet, even as you were speaking that how wonderful it is when we get into that flow and there's this spaciousness and generosity and that we're then it's interconnectedness. And that's as far as we ever need to go is is to, right. is to open a little more.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And then that helps us open a little
0: more. Uh, yes, thank you, thank you. But, I mean, as mm-hmm. you
2: spoke it, it happened for me.
0: That's my goal. Mm-hmm. It reminded me. Yes, we wanna remind each other of our divine nature and find ways to do that all the time. And per Leah's comment, within generations after creating human beings, God, God regrets ever having tr- tried this and brings the great flood. And the rest of the Torah is a story of God trying to reach us, get through to us, with with, um, words of Torah, with castigations, with uh, second chances, with like, come on, I know what you're capable of, what's wrong with you? And this this is the question all of us ask when we look at the world and what we're doing to it versus when we inspect how glorious it can be. And there we are, Leah, I have no answer. All I wanna do is keep redirecting us to our highest place. That's all I can do, and for me too. And then act from that highest place. There's nothing else I can do than that. Um, and that's what we're doing today. So, uh, oh, Nancy, please.
2: You know, I, was, I, I, I heard, Okay, I, I heard this week, I had no idea that Zelensky was Jewish.
0: Yep. And, um, Let me just say, Nancy, the president of Ukraine is a Jew. He's also a comedian uh, w- uh, who turned into a politician, which is pretty funny.
2: And I, as you were saying that, I was picturing and I've, I've heard it before, but I've been picturing David and Goliath about, you know, trying to like picture what you were saying about this being um, this like putting that positive energy, looking at it like we, it still could happen. We still could, you know, survive this in some way.
0: Mm. Thank you. Thank you. And Carol.
1: Yeah, I just, um, just to add on to what Ellen said, it seems to me that having a wise heart, generosity, and an uplifted, purposefully uplifted, not, not waiting for it to happen, are instructions. It's not just what needs to happen, it's the, it's the ladder that you have to climb in order to at least be there to take it in, to, to experience it fully.
0: Well said. Let's stay with that for a minute, because imagine having, um, not accessing your creative wisdom, keeping your heart closed and keeping it depressed, right? Sounds like Pharaoh, whose heart was heavy and hard, who therefore would say to Moses, I do not know who you're talking about when you say God has told, sent me to you, nor will I let your people go. Mm Once again, we come back to Pharaoh as the object lesson in closed heartedness. Um, Aliyah, you wanna say something else? Oh, you're muted again, dear.
1: God made Pharaoh's hard heart, 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 hard. God made Pharaoh's heart hard.
0: Okay. So you're the prosecuting angel in today's class. <laughs> All I'm right. The prosecuting
2: angel in every class. Yeah. That's right.
0: That's right. But and we we applaud you. It's fantastic. Um, yes, that's true. And um, I don't believe that uh, there is a God who makes people's hearts hard. That's not how I think about the universe. So, you know. I think of we make our own hearts hard or we soften them. And for me, that allows me to inhabit this this metaphor. But your point's well taken. By the way, I keep um, muting people after they're done talking. And so that's why you were muted again, Leah. Um, Okay. Let's just say that I don't have sympathy for tyrants, no matter where the source of their affliction comes from and that they're not the answer to God's question of where are you? Um, maybe Maybe God made Pharaoh's hard heart in order to, as it says in the Torah, to show the world that hardened hearts aren't going to prevail, who knows? Okay, but back to our portion, which is which I wanna uh, look at some more. Um, so if we are made in the divine image, I was looking at Rabbi David Foreman's video at alephbeda.org today. And uh, he gave us a beautiful image about now the Jewish mystical understanding of the creator, the universal creative process that is called Tsim which is that the divine wanted, okay, wanted, this is a story, please everybody. Every story we tell is in our own image because that's the farthest we can go with our imagination is our own experience and then extrapolate from there, okay? So enough said about that. In this story about creation, the divine which at this point is everything and nothing, wants to create. And so, in order to create, since the divine is everything, the divine needs to create a space where God isn't in order to manifest a creation. Okay, that's how they tell the story. And that's called Tsimtsum, which means God contracts a bit and leaves an open space in which God is going to pour God's self out of love because God has, you can't do this and be selfish, right? You're giving it away. And what Rabbi Foreman does, which is not the first time, but you know, sometime or God willing, never be the last time. He says, it's like a woman who decides to become a mother And the uterus is the place where the mother isn't in herself so that the new being can come into being and the mother pours all of her life energy into this empty space that becomes a new being and does it. And it's all filled with love, right? This incredible, incredible um, uh, act of creation. And um, the Hebrew word for uterus is Rechem. That's the same, usually womb, W-O-M-B. But it's also the Hebrew, it's also uterus. The womb is Rechem. And as many of you know, the Hebrew word for loving compassion is rachamim. So one cannot create fully without mother love, without the impulse to give life to this new being in your own image, right? You're creating a being in your image that you want to set on their feet and be independent to make their own worlds. And so Rabbi Foreman compares this creative process to the, to, from Jewish mysticism to the best metaphor I can think of, which is the, the empty womb that becomes a place nourished by the blood and the energy and the intention of the mother with Rachami, mother love, so that this new being can come into the world. So, Betzalel, even though he's a male figure, um, of course, in the Torah, um, because that's the default in the Torah, even though it's explicit in this portion in a way that's unusual, that the women and the men, the women and the men, the women, it's repeated over and over again, everybody, that everybody's doing this. So that's an, an interest that's worth noting and uplifting. Um, but Betzalel's default is male. And Betzalel is the one who is in the image of God and fulfills that astonishing capacity we have to create new life, to create new creations. It's wonderful. Um, This is what it's gonna take to build a dwelling place for God, what Rabbi Foreman says is all of this work is going into creating a home in our midst that we pour ourselves into where the divine presence can dwell in our midst. So it's almost as though we create a womb with all of our love, all of our abilities, all of our capacity, Put it and and in and we surround ourselves, we surround it with our 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 protection and our care so that there's a place for the divine energy to dwell amongst us. So it's a it's a beautiful reciprocal kind of um, we are acknowledging, and again, I'm thanking Rabbi Foreman for this, this phrasing, we are acknowledging the gift we've received, and pouring everything of that gift back so that there could be a space for the giver who gave us life. And again, then we have one of these life-giving cycles because we're not trying to hold it all for ourselves. We're ready to give it away. And so there's the passage in our portion that says, and Moses put out the word that everyone should bring their finery, all of their beautiful raw materials, their, their yarns and their gold and their silver and their copper and their skins and, their, and bring them so that the artisans who are wise of heart can fashion them into the Mishkan. And then it says, I'll just read you this famous passage. Um, all the artisans came to Moses and said, the people are bringing more than is needed um, to make all the things that yod heh has, has instructed us to make. And Moses thereupon sent this proclamation to the camp, let no man or woman make further effort towards bringing gifts for the sanctuary. So the people stopped bringing their efforts had been more than enough for all the tasks to be done. Isn't that beautiful? So this outpouring of generosity, that's more than enough. Moses says, enough, stop, enough, we have enough. It's beautiful. That's the way you build a house for God, right? With that kind of energy, with no thought of recompense. So it's really a beautiful portion that describes, in the way I'm describing. And what I wanted to share with you now, oh, Deborah said, at these times when we feel so powerless, important to see what we can do to align with God's will. Thank you. I'm gonna repeat that for me, it doesn't mean giving up my discerning intelligence, but it means being generous of heart, wise of heart, uplifting as I can. We can do that. We can angle ourselves in that direction. It's not fancy even. It's not, it's not mystical. It's like we know what it means. So changing the subject a little bit, I made a chart, which I'm going to share with you. Again, for some of us who've studied Torah for a while, modern biblical scholars name this, the Torah is written in a literary structural form that is different from modern literary structural forms. And the Torah matches many ancient literary literary structures. One of its favorite formats is called chiasm, C-H-I-A-S-M, which is a fancy Greek word which, which I'll show you what it means with the graphic rather than try to describe. It. Here, I'll share my screen. Okay. I just made this up uh, this morning, it was fun. Um, a chiasm is where if this is a, let's see. I want to make that bold, I guess. This is A, this is called A prime, and this is B, and this, whoops, And we'll make that C, we'll make that, we'll make that D. I'll call this E. Here we go, that should be clearer. Whoops, this has to be like this. Try one more time. (laughs) Okay, (laughs) all right, it's messing me up. There we go, just want it there. I'll leave it like that, okay. Okay, everybody, let me just put your faces down here so I can see your messages. Um, So a chiastic structure is one that builds to a pinnacle, and then in terms of literary structure, then continues. The narrative is going this way. This is Exodus chapter 19, all the way through to Exodus chapter 40. And the way it's structured is, Exodus chapter 40 is going to mirror the content of Exodus chapter 19. And then the B and B prime will line up, C and C prime, D and D prime, and E is, the, is like the pinnacle. Um, in uh, her book, Mary Douglas, she called this the pediment style of literature in that you're creating a pediment by having elements that match on the sides going up to the apex like on a um, Greek temple, you know that has all these sculpture reliefs on it. The center of the story is somehow most important, but it's also telling a narrative. Not having understood this before, I can't stand asymmetry. Hold on. there. Um, <laughs> there might be people like me among you there out there. <laughs> Um, so when we read these last 15 chapters oh good a lot of me too's when we read these last chapters of um, the latter part of the book of Exodus if you're just reading them you literally read five chapters six chapters of instructions that Moses received from God on Mount Sinai about how to build the Mishkan, everything that's gonna be in it, and the high priest garments, all the components of the Mishkan. And then you've heard it all. And then in these three chapters, you hear it all again. And now Bitsalel makes all this stuff. And one, one says to oneself, why do we have to listen to this again? The answer is because of this structure. So let me explain it to you. I think you'll find it interesting. So in Exodus chapter 19, the children of Israel arrive at Mount Sinai. The mountain quakes. They hear the Ten Commandments. They say, we will do this. And then Moses ascends into the cloud for 40 days and 40 nights. Okay, that's what happens in those chapters. At the very end of the books of Exodus, we'll see that Moses assembles the Mishkan, which means that at the very end of the book of Exodus, God's presence dwells amidst the people. Now, what's going on here? Here in A, the children experience the fullness of God's presence at Mount Sinai. The mountain quakes. They hear the voice. It's absolutely terrifying. But their instruction is somehow to take that experience and translate it into the everyday structure of their life so that God's presence will be. um, Ah, thank you. So that God's presence will be with them in the camp all the time. So the experience of the unmediated divine presence, and then the construction, the creation of the sanctuary in the middle of the camp in which that divine presence can be continued to be experienced. That is the the final destination. So in the B section of this Chiasm, are Parsha Truma and Tetzaveh, where Moses receives all of these instructions from God in great detail. It is mirrored by, um, let me get that out of there. It is mirrored by um, these sections where B'tzalel and company fashion all the components of the Mishkan. Here's the blueprint, here's the manifestation, okay? Then, in the way this is written, because it you'll see this all over the Torah, in C, Yod Hey Vav identifies Betzalel. That's at the beginning of last week's portion, Ki and all her wise of heart to create the Mishkan according to the divine blueprint. And then in C Prime, Bezalel, And all who are wise of heart are commissioned by Moses to do the work. And then interestingly, and I want us to talk about this a little bit, in the ascent to the top of the pediment, right after B'tzalel is identified and told to create the Mishkan, we have the blueprints, we have the experience, the experience of divine presence, the blueprints for how to create a dwelling place for that divine presence in your midst, rather than have it just be a transient experience. Then the identification of what the human qualities are that are going to allow this to happen within your everyday experience. And then it says, and you must keep the Shabbat. Ah, uh, I'll call you in a second, Ellen, really real quick. Um, and again, in this interesting way that this is structured, the next thing that happens is the golden calf drama, which essentially stands apart not a part, balances on, I don't know how to describe it, a very, very um, um, uh, specific and clear ladder of activity. So we'll talk about why the golden calf maybe perhaps is in that position. But then as soon as the golden calf incident is resolved and Moses goes back up the mountain and brings down two new tablets, And they're ready now, the camp has been reconstituted. The next instruction at the beginning of our portion today, the way it starts is Moses convoked the entire community and said to them, on six days you shall work but on the seventh day is a complete Shabbat, a day of rest. And then we work our way out again. Okay, Ellen, please.
2: I just wanted to read two lines from uh, Shefa Gold on this.
0: Oh, good. Well, oh, hold blessed. on, I have to tell people who Shefa is. Okay. Rabbi Shefa Gold is a dear colleague and a fabulous Torah teacher and her book, which I read from sometimes is called Torah Journeys.
2: We're blessed with the knowledge that rest and reflection are absolutely necessary to the success of this project. Without the practice of Shabbat, we are warned this work, even though it is holy work, will kill us. The blessing of Shabbat makes our work possible. Work becomes life-giving and wholesome only when it is balanced with Shabbat.
0: Well said. And sure enough, oh, Carol, please.
1: Yeah, I, I have never thought before about the proximity of the golden calf to the building of the Mishkan. And it's almost as if that's what they were trying to do. I mean, they already had the instructions, that's what they were trying to do, but they didn't know that you couldn't you couldn't make the 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 dwell, the you couldn't make the god in the dwelling place. You could only make the dwelling place. So the golden calf might have been. A dwelling place, but it also it, it did it, it didn't require well who knows what it required but the labor of every single person and with those specific instructions, but it's on its way. It's not just in there. It's on its way. That if everybody needed a physical presence, and it couldn't be an idol, so so what is a, a house? A house, in which in which the spirit can reside, it's pretty amazing.
0: An an empty space. An empty space. Um, uh, Ellen Weaver says they didn't know because the first instructions were given to Moses on Mount Sinai. Yes, if you take a temporal view of this, uh, they don't have the instructions yet. Ah. They they only exist up on the top of the mountain.
1: Well, then even more, they have the impulse.
0: That's right, they have the have the impulse but they couldn't wait because they panicked. So um, that sense of desperation and panic lead them into these actions. Uh, And um, Shabbat somehow plays into that as well. The golden calf episode is intentionally bracketed by the reminder that we have to have Shabbat, mm. so we were talking about this. Uh, Aletzi and Deborah said, and it is easy to get distracted by false idol. And needing to replace Moses, not God. Yes, they say that man Moses. We don't know where he went. We need uh, we'll make Aaron make us a god. And they just he says, well, give me your gold rings and the gold rings off of your wives and children. And they just they poured on with the same odd generosity uh, that they later pour into the Mishkan. It's, uh, you could think of this not in, a, I could think of this off the top of my head and obviously this has been written about an awful lot that there's nothing wrong with the children of Israel per se. There's nothing wrong with us. We just need a holy direction in which to pour our passion and energy. And that's the whole thing God's trying to accomplish giving us the torah like i get it you humans i made you you have this life force it's unstoppable i didn't quite calculate for that when i made you in out of flesh and out of out of the uh, earth and out of the out of the elements of the earth and made you flesh and blood i didn't calculate how powerful that life force would be now i have to figure out how to give you a container a holy direction a sense of purpose and a sense of covenant of sacred relationship in which you can pour all that energy. If we don't have that sacred relationship that un, and that committed understanding that we have to like curb our enthusiasm um, and, pour, and direct it and pour it. Any artist knows that mm-hmm. paint splattered on a wall, it's like, that's not what you're doing it for. There's something else you're, you want to have happen. Um, and uh, so this impulse has to be channeled. And um, going back to what Leah was saying, it's like, yeah, the, the per- whole purpose of the Torah is to say, we see how wretched human beings are. And yet we know how magnificent human beings are as well. What is it going to take What is it going to take so that we can direct our magnificent, exuberant, unbounded life force uh, and and somehow um, put it in the service of holiness? Carol?
1: What I'm hearing is God getting to know us better. God, God learning about us and working with us the way we are rather than putting something on us that we can't handle.
2: Hmm.
0: Thank you. And Barbara Marimo said, I love what Carol said about not making God in the dwelling place. You can only make the dwelling place. That's right. You can only prepare, you can only prepare the ground for, for the best of our ability for love and inspiration to and holiness to manifest. And Ellen Weaver notes the um, uh um the uh the women didn't give for the golden calf even though they were asked to Mm -hmm. so this is a midrash but it's a powerful midrash that the women refused and i would uh i would take this midrash in the direction of what i was saying before that the women understood that the only way to make a baby is to make a space for the baby um within their own bodies that uh I don't know, God has to be a mother. <laughs> so um, David Kagan tells us that Atbash, which is an acronym for Aleph, Taf, Bet, Shin. Okay, in other words, alphabet. Aleph's the first, Taf is the last, Bet is the second, Shin is the second to last. This is a, um, the Jewish Hebrew term, or the pediment like literary structure A, Z, B, Y, right? That's uh, thank you for that, David. Um, okay, so let's spend our last few minutes. I'll stop sharing. I hope you found that chart interesting. Um, for people who, for, for as you get, you know, the more serious you get about studying Torah, it's so helpful to know. That there are actual structures in the text that are designed to highlight things that we wouldn't necessarily know about because we're amateurs. We're all amateurs. So the more you do it, the more you see it. It's like you see the you see the um, the hidden skeleton of the text and how it's built, how how it's uh, how how everything gets hung on it. Um, so. So let's spend a few minutes again talking about. Now we understand who Betzalel is. Um, Betzalel is each of us at our highest, at our most, um, uh, our most inspired, our most connected. You know, understand understanding. uh, He's. It says that. um, It says in chapter thirty-five that. the has been endowed with chokma, bina, and daat, which hard to translate, but chokma is wisdom, bina is mm, the ability to uh, contemplate, to reflect, to um, uh, cook, to let the ideas cook. And daat is consciousness. So you have the flash of inspiration. You have the ability to sit with it and let it let it uh, germinate, and you have the consciousness to uh, be able to manifest to see and all manifest that, manifests that. Um, introspection. Bina could be introspection. Very nice. Yes, uh, Leah. Chabad. That's right. Uh, Chabad, yes, Bina is also considered the feminine uh, um, uh, womb of all creation. Chochmah being the inseminating um, uh, seed of of the masculine principle. So yes, uh, lots to talk about here. And what Leah is telling us is that Chabad is an acronym. Chabad is the Lubavitch Hasidim, if you don't know. Um, and Chabad is an acronym for Chokma, Bina and Da'at. Uh, uh, these three qualities that I've been saying because uh, their founder Shneur Zalman of Liadi, the Rabbi Shneur Zalman of Liadi was, this was how, this was his acronym for the sort of thing I'm describing, this higher consciousness, this fulfilling of our potential. Uh, and so that's why they're called Chabad. It stands for wisdom, um, uh, understanding and awareness. <sighs> that's interesting too. Okay, so w- w- what I wanna get to before before done is, um, so here's B'tzalel, think of each of us as a B'tzalel. When, contiguous in the Torah to the instruction to go ahead and manifest all of these marvelous accoutrements that will make a dwelling place for the divine. We are told that we must observe Shabbat. Obviously echoing going back to Genesis chapter one, it says in Genesis chapter one, as you'll recall, God now said, "Let us make human beings in our image, after our likeness." Uh, so God created. I'm just God created the human beings in the divine image, making them male and female in the image of God. And God blessed them. And God said, "Here, this is your world, and I give it all to you. Um, and uh, you get to you get to master it, and domesticate it, and feed from it." and make it, you know, all the things that we humans can do and have done. And then God surveyed everything and behold, it was very good. And it was evening and it was morning the sixth day. And on the seventh day, God ceased and rested from all the work that had been done. And God blessed the seventh day, blessed it and made it holy. And ceased from all the creative making that God had been doing. So if we're made in the image of God. We have to. Cease. We have to know when to say enough. If we don't know when to say enough. We will do what we are doing to the earth now. So. One of the key features of manifesting our divine image, according to the Torah, is to know restraint, to be able to exercise restraint and to do it as a regular practice, both for the purpose of renewing ourselves for the purpose of practicing, expanding our awareness by reflecting on what we've been doing. And for the purpose of giving the world the rest it needs from all of our overwhelming energy. So being made into the divine image, it is not sufficient to say, well, that shows that we're creative like God. Not according to the Torah. Being made in the divine image is only fulfilled if we also know when to restrain ourselves. We're doing terrible, everyone, as a species. I mean, you know, Leah's got her eyes open, so do we all. Mm -hmm. But the instructions are right here. And I wanted to show you the holy structure of the text that makes that. Without it, what happens? The golden calf. In that in that visual. B'tzalel, Shabbat Shabbat B'tzalel, Here's what happens if we don't complete the 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 holy cycle. In that interstitial space, when the children of Israel haven't gotten to engage yet, they essentially loose all of their energies in a magnificent revelry, or and, and all order breaks down. That's what happens in the camp. Their impulse was not necessarily bad or evil. I don't know if we can even put a judge, a value judgment on it. But if we don't understand both our capabilities and how those capabilities need to be curved and maintained and, uh, and, 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 and channeled and restrained by taking Shabbat as part of our regular regimen of being human, then we will, will flood the earth with our violence and our energy and our, which is you know, like before the flood and that's what we're all facing existentially in the world right now. Um, I would say restraint, I would say, Barbara said what we are doing to the earth and each other, I don't think is a result of not knowing restraint but because of greed versus generosity, I think they—I think they're both true, Barbara. Um, greed is another way of saying we can never get enough, and even a creative person could slip into uh, away from their center without knowing that they have to collect themselves um, and they have to stop for a while. So. I personally think that's semantic on this particular run through. Of course, generosity, it's always good to be generous. Okay, anyone else? Sometimes we need to say no to ourselves. And now go back to the image of God as mother who creates this astonishing being in their image and has to say no all the time. (laughs) Because we need to be trained to restrain ourselves. Otherwise we will not fulfill our potential. (laughs) And that's not bad or good, it just is. Okay, thank you very much for letting me share all that. That was very satisfying, I'm very grateful. Uh, for this opportunity. I'm going to stop the recording now and we'll do our healing prayer.